Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. We are back to our more regularly scheduled programming as we ditch midweek fixtures in the Premier League and enter the opening rounds of European competition with Champions League, Europa, and Europa Conference League kicking off this week. However, we do not have the normal scheduled cast on the podcast today. I am joined by sub switch hitter Andrew Steinberg out of Santa Barbara. Brian is on vacation per usual, and so we've got his mate, Andrew, on the podcast. Andrew, great to meet you. Thank you for making time to join the pod. Hey, Bucks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Really excited for this opportunity. Uh, Trying to manage through this Santa Barbara heat wave right now. I'm sweating my my nuts off, and I'm definitely excited to talk for an hour about this, this podcast. Yeah, and Andrew, just tell the listeners who's your team and uh, how'd you get into FPL? Yeah, so I'm uh, an avid Spurs follower. Uh, fell in love with them. I actually told I just met Brian um, yesterday at, in Santa Barbara. He was visiting, so I, I told him the story about how I got into Spurs back in like 2000. It was 2012 or 2013. The very first Premier League game I actually watched full on. It was it was Spurs versus your your Chelsea. Kind of Harry Uh-oh. Kane's coming out party. Harry Kane's coming out party. I think it was a four, two or five, three victory. Harry Kane had a brace and you know, I didn't want to pick one of these big money clubs and lo and behold, kind of Spurs became a big money club, but that's how I fell in love with them. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're doubling down and getting a full dose of the FPL blues podcast this week for sure. And exactly. we appreciate you. We appreciate you exactly. making time uh, without further ado. Let's dive into how our teams performed in game week six and Just for context, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a slightly different podcast because we have Andrew uh, pitching in. So we're going to get a little bit off script and really dive into Andrew's team, who is going to be on wild card going into game week seven. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, no doubt. I already hit the wild card button. Hit it after the Saturday game. So I will be shuffling a bunch this week. All right. Tell us your team score from game week six, Andrew. Yeah, game week six uh, wasn't wasn't too too bad. Nothing nothing really to write home about. Uh, came out with forty eight points. Uh, did see some green arrows. Uh, certainly left a lot on the table. Um, I think the the overall theme. My team has been suffering. I I've gone without Highland for for the first six weeks, um, and that really enticed me to hit the wild card button this week. Was to try to shuffle things around, get make sure I get the man Holland in this week. But you know, had had some some decent performances. You know, I've had Harry Kane since week one. I was really stingy about it when I saw that price price drop week one. I, I just didn't want to go Kane to Holland, which was my initial plan, and I never did it. Got stingy with my money. Um, in hindsight, certainly wished I did it. But my standout performer was was Ivan Tony. Everybody saw probably the hat trick that, that he produced with Brentford this past weekend. Uh, really excited to have him on the team, and their fixtures coming up look pretty good. So definitely plan on keeping him in the squad. Um, but I did captain uh, Mo Salah. I've capped him for the last four weeks straight i believe and you know he's been just just super disappointing um you know i know this the underlying stats still look good for him but um been very disappointed as most people are just disappointed with kind of the, the performance with liverpool as a whole but uh, yeah cat mo Salah and you know did not work out in my favor for the most part i mean my my back line bunch of ones and twos here except nico williams i did start against bournemouth nice um you know, I, I was disappointed, you know, when they got out to that 2-0 lead, I was really excited about, you know, getting a nice return from him, but uh, pretty disappointed to see Nottingham blow that and actually lose that match, uh, 3-2 to Bournemouth. Nice to get a little bit of return from him. And then I, I had Martin, aside with Salah, had Martinelli, Zaha, 
two points from Martinelli, three points from Zaha. Zaha was my transfer from last week. I went from, I finally got rid of Leon Bailey, went to Wilfred Zaha. You know, I was really excited about him. I still plan to keep him. Uh, his stats look really good. And I've just watched, you know, I watched some Crystal Palace games and, you know, he looks like a man on fire so far to start this year. So I definitely plan on keeping him, but no, a little disappointed enough to get a little bit more of a turn. And then aside from Kane and Tony, I, I paired there, had the trio with Jesus up top. So I had a four, three, three structure. Certainly that the match with Arsenal and Man United was, uh, you know, exciting match to watch, but uh, not not necessarily getting the returns from the Arsenal players that I expected. So, um, you know, that was that was my overall score, forty eight. Uh, right now on my bench, I have the Leicester keeper Ward, uh, De Silva, Andreas from Fulham, and Kukurea, Which you know, there's going to be a little bit more shuffling with that as well. Yeah, I believe it, Stein. You were top of the table if we go by the co-hosts and you as a guest host. Uh, you beat both <laughs> Brian and I. I end up with 42 points, pretty disappointing result. And I earned a just over 125,000 spot red arrow down to just, just around 500,000 in the world right now. Pretty good start overall, but I'm really relying on Holland right now. He's carrying my team and having him as captain for 18 points total uh, pretty much was the difference between a quality game week and uh, the brutal noodle. I also brought in Trippier. He had eight points, so uh, not a good score, but just kind of treading water. Now, when we talk about really bad scores, we have to shout out Brian's performance in game week six. That might be why he's missing an action for today's pod, he got 35 <laughs> points total, uh, absolute cluster for his team and a real tough look for a content creator, quote unquote expert, because uh, other than <laughs> Captain Holland uh, and 18 points, his next highest scorer was Nico Williams, who like your side uh, only counted for four points. So uh, that is not a good look. And uh, that brings us to the game week average for game week six. What was that, uh, Andrew? Game week average was 45 points. Yeah, so you're the only one that actually <laughs> topped that on the podcast. So uh, we don't fault you <laughs> if you switch off the episode now, ladies and gentlemen. But if you're sticking with us, you're a real one. And the real one really distinguished themselves this game week. The manager of the game week, tremendous performance, Cosme Jimenez, a.k.a. Desgracio FC. They used their bench boost to a major score of 74 points. And they got 22 points from the power-up chip in the extra four spots. McAllister with 14 points. Nico Williams with four. Ward and Andreas each with two. Every point matters at this point in the season. So to bank 74 points, that is a major success on Bench Boost. Congratulations. Golf clap is deserved to Cosme Jimenez. And that shakes up the top four because Cosme jumps into first place, top of the table, Top of the game week, congratulations. Danny Watkins in second, Blue in Exile. Alex Grun in third with Team Grandpa. And Mahmoud Mohammed, uh, Team Mahmoud Mohammed. Come on, Mahmoud, get a little creative with your team name, is rounds out the top four. Original. <laughs> Love to see it. So the league is officially now locked and closed for the season. We are 200 strong, and it's going to get crazy from mm -hmm. here on out. Most notably, we will have weekly shout outs. We have a season long trophy as well as a knockout cup trophy. So if you're not having the best start to the season, like Stein, like Brian, like myself, just wait, stay patient. 
there will be opportunities for prizes and for shout outs uh, throughout the season. So stay consistent. And really the chase is on. Everyone is trying to keep up with Cosme. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll dive into game week six recap of the top performers. And we're back. Uh, let's get into game week six. Awesome. So let's cover the three top scoring FPL assets in game week six. Let's start with the United lad. He dashed Arsenal's dreams of another invincible season. And that was one Marcus Rashford, 18 points uh, for FPL. He is 6.4 million and 10% owned, but he really starred in the second half. He had a brace and an assist. United just looked sublime, and Rashford was leading the charge there. What did you see from him, Stein? Yeah, Rashford, what what an impressive performance. And I, I really did, you know, start to write him off. Uh, you know, at the very beginning of this year, you know, United looked horrendous. Uh, those first two weeks, you know, kind of looking at social media, I know a lot of people, the United fans, they're they're starting to be like, we're back, we're back. Uh, you know, I don't I don't buy it fully yet, but Rashford looks looks really good. Um, and, you know, initially in my first wild card team, I, I brought Rashford in. I thought he just looked too good. He scored um, in the past two games, I believe, in a, a brace last game, you know, looked good against a very tough arsenal. Um, you know, they, they were able to hit him on the counter. Um, so I, I liked what I saw. Um, you know, I, even Anthony, certainly worth mentioning, had a goal in his, his debut. But, um, you know, Rashford is certainly a guy that that is is very tempting. At only 6.4 million, there's a lot of value there. Um, I believe that's the same price as, as Martinelli, who had a great start to the year as well. Um, Martinelli had a, a goal come called back in that game as well. So, you know, Rashford's very, very tempting at that price point, in my opinion. I agree. And he's playing at a position and he seems to be nailed. Uh, Ronaldo is not really making it off the bench in any real way under the new coach, Eric Ten Hag. And Stein, like you mentioned, these new transfers for United are paying instant dividends. I mean, between Martinez in the back, Casemiro in midfield, and now Rashford and Anthony uh, as kind of out of position attackers, they are looking like they have something brewing. And uh, yeah, they're now up to fifth position in the table. They've leapfrogged Liverpool. They've leapfrogged my team, Chelsea, and they're hot on the heels of your team Spurs. So uh, Mm -hmm. the story is yet to be written about what this Eric Ten Hag season is going to turn into, but it's certainly looking uh, much more exciting than it was a couple game weeks ago. Let's go to one of your guys, Stein. The number two scoring player this game week was none other than your second striker, Ivan Tony. Yeah, Ivan Tony. Gosh, what a what a good player. I mean, just you know, from from my perspective, he he passes my eye test. I I like him. He works really hard. You know, even away from the ball, he drops deep, picks the ball up at midfield sometimes, and plays outlet passes. Uh, certainly, bagging a hat trick, uh, he can score goals too. So not not bad from your striker. I'm excited. I I think you know Brentford had a pretty impressive season last year. I expect that to continue this year. I I think Brentford will certainly stay up. You know, maybe they can finish in the top fifty percent of the league, but. Um, you know, Ivan Tony, I, I I certainly like him. Only at seven point one mil too right now. Uh, you know, it's a good good price point. You know, he's he's already paid returns. He also has been a little up and down. Uh, the week before last week, he he didn't give any return. I had him the week before as well. I think he had one or two points. So, um, you know, certainly someone that I'm I'm definitely going to consider keeping. I think their fixtures look pretty good going forward. But um, you know, what a good performance from last week. Yeah, and that was such a classy hat trick. Uh, goes, we need to shout that out. I mean that chip shot from 
deep outside the box uh, to beat the keeper and then to also beat the defender on the back line was woo wee that was that was beautiful footy uh, from Ivan Tony 7.1 million 17% owned and he ends up with 17 points so uh, that is just huge and you know Gabriel Jesus is a player that we've talked a bunch about he's pretty mm-hmm. much in every FPL manager's team he's owned by almost 80% of the game but for one million cheaper, you can grab Ivan Tony. He's differential, and right now he's banging at the same level that Jesus is. So, uh, really nice differential that you had in your side, Stein. Uh, so, number three coming in is Alexis McAllister from Brighton. I don't know about you, Bucks, but I, I've watched a good amount of Brighton games. I'm really starting to like what what Graham Potter's doing over there. You know, certainly they have the reputation that you know they they don't score a lot of goals, but they play great defense. They're well organized. Very interesting player at McAllister for midfield. I know he's on pens too. He's a set piece specialist um, at five and a half million. You know, doesn't look like a bad option. I don't think it's one necessarily that, that jumps out to me. That's a must have at this point. You know, I think again, it's just Brighton's a pretty good team. I don't know where they're going to get their consistent scoring from quite yet, but a very interesting option for people that do have them. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the thing with Brighton is that they're just so reliable. And right now they are delivering pretty much 100% of their XG. So when the advanced stats say that they're going to score, they are putting the ball in the back of the net. And that's, I don't know if that's sustainable, like you mentioned, but McAllister, you know, 5.5 million, he's kind of like Brighton's Jorginho, except he also takes Mm -hmm. set pieces, free kicks. So the returns are going to be slightly unpredictable, but when he's on the pitch, he's getting penalty kicks. He's getting those spot kicks. And right now he's delivering in a real way. So he has three converted penalty kicks. And at 5.5 million, what more could you ask for, uh, for a player who's getting regular minutes and getting that upside opportunity? Yeah, it's a great point. One thing I do want to point out, I did, did a little bit of research, um, you know, some XG stats here, uh, Brighton's actually in the, in the top five of the league. They're, they're actually ranked at number four. I mean, depending how you, how you do the XG stat, but a lot of the websites they have them in the top five of, of XG um, team goals right now. So, you know, pretty impressive from a team that, you know, typically doesn't score a lot. Yeah, I agree. And we should note that his linesman Trossard also hauled in game week six. He ends up with 12 points, goal, assist, and two bonus. McAllister gets a brace and three bonus, but all the Brighton players seem to be getting hauls on a regular basis. And uh, mm-hmm. they're, they've been, the, I think it's safe to say they've been the surprise team to start this season. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. You know, I'm, I'm hoping they can, they can get European next year. I, I really like how they play football. Yeah, and I think that if they if they continue this, Graham Potter is is going to be up for a massive promotion to a big six club or to a mm-hmm. you know power club in one of the other leagues, let alone a national team. I mean, he's just he has to be considered one of the best coaches in world football. Yeah, I, I have to agree. You know, I, I don't want to see him leave. I, I like what he's doing at Brighton. I think he has like the perfect job right now. But you know, certainly money talks. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, let's do a couple extra shout outs. Uh, I know we touched on Erling Holland. He is going right now at an incredible pace. He was the most highly captained player ever in the FPL game. He got the armband from over 5 million teams. And, you know, obviously the game is at its largest point ever, but Erling Holland is undeniable right now. He's on pace to have 60 plus goals this Premier League season, an absurd number. And he's the quickest player ever to come into the Premier League and score 10 goals. So uh, he is just a really, really exceptional, special talent. 
And he's in the perfect system because City are feeding him loads of opportunities. And he's just so clinical. He can deliver so many of them. Gosh, Holland is, you know, in my opinion, must watch TV. I mean, the guy just needs one touch to get it in the net. Um, you know, what he's doing in Pep's system, it's perfect service that he's getting, world-class service from all around. I mean, you look at that midfield, the wingers they have. I mean, it, it's honestly, it's starting to become like an expectation that he should be bagging a brace almost every game. City's XG, no, no doubt, number one in the league. Gosh, it's, it's incredible to just watch what he's doing on the pitch. Agree. And we should just touch on Mo Salah. I think the FPL community is getting a little fed up with Salah and the way that he's performing, considering his starting price point of 13 million. He goes begging this game week as well without a return. However, he was so close. I mean, the advanced stats are really flattering what he is doing on the pitch. He hit the post and then he had another, I think, a perfect, inch perfect pass into the middle, which went begging as well. So he really could have had two returns in this game. Uh, Jordan Pickford stood on his head a couple times to keep that Liverpool derby uh, 0-0. I would not panic yet on Mo Salah, but uh, I know you're on wild card, so we'll definitely dig into yeah. whether you're going Mo or no Salah later in the episode. <laughs> Let's take another break. When we come back, we will dive into a preview of game week seven with the best matches for FPL before dumping into some community questions. All right, let's look at the best matches for FPL returns in game week seven. Any jump out to you, Stein? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at, you know, a bounce back for for Arsenal this week. I think that Everton Arsenal kind of has me looking at my Arsenal assets and, and kind of licking my chops that, man, this is great opportunity. I, you know, I, I do think it was kind of a hiccup for Arsenal. I mean, it was great performance by United, but I, I expect Arsenal to bounce back. I, I mean, Everton, what what a, it's it's got to be a frustrating team to play against Lampard. I think he's settling in for draws at this point. Um, so I, I expect Arsenal to come out firing, probably have over 70% possession. Um, so I expect them to get a lot of chances. Would you be considering uh, Jesus if he's in your wildcard team as a potential captain? Jesus is definitely on my mind. At, at this point, my initial team, um, you know, I actually took Jesus out because I wanted to get Holland in. Um, so that, that was kind of a big swap out there. But certainly still on my mind. You know, at least at this point, I want to keep Tony. But uh, Jesus is still, you know, on the, probably that fourth or fifth option that I'm looking at for a forward. All right. Sounds good. Uh, other games we should shout out. Uh, we just were waxing poetically about Brighton. They travel to Bournemouth. Brian and I were burying Bournemouth last game week, but they got another win. So they are no longer anywhere close to the bottom of the table. But I think that they will land somewhere close there by the end of the season when all is said and through. And I think Brighton should coast uh, against the Cherries in this one. And also Wolves travel to Anfield to play Liverpool. I think that's another unbalanced match. And Liverpool have not looked sharp by any means, but Wolves cannot buy a goal, let alone a result this season. So I expect uh, Brighton, Liverpool, and Arsenal all to get uh, pretty comfortable results this game week. And Liverpool and Arsenal at home, so so certainly looking good for them. So looking at the the next set of matches, so looking at probably just the ones that you want to watch on TV. Um, certainly one that I'm I will be all over is is Spurs at the Etihad versus Man City. Very excited actually about that match. So I know people are probably very scared about that match, but you know, flashback to last year when Spurs beat Man City three two. I'm honestly expecting more goals this game. 
Um, you know, I, I think it's a great matchup. You'll kind of see the Conte versus Pep tactics, you know, very, very interesting watch. I expect Spurs to, you know, sit back deep, play on the counter. And I, you know, I think Kane's up for success. Hopefully this might be the match that, that Sun can pick up his first goal of the year. I know a lot of people that owned him probably super frustrated with him. Yeah, I think this is this has Sun written all over it. If there's going to be a match where he's going to come good, this is going to be the game. His game uh, lends itself to a counterattacking style. And if you're going to catch City, you got to do it on the counterattack on a quick strike. So it's at the Etihad. You got a predicted score, Stein? I think my predicted score, probably 3-2 flip-flop this time. I, I would expect City to score three, probably a brace from Holland in my opinion, um, and, and Spurs two. Certainly hoping that that it's three two Spurs, but um, you know, I, I mean, City just look looks so good, but their defense is has certainly been vulnerable. Yeah, I agree. And the other matchup is uh, Man United at Crystal Palace. I think both teams have had moments of brilliance this season, mm-hmm. and really, it's it's going to see if Crystal Palace can get on track, and you know whether they have enough to derail uh, the way that. Man United are chugging along right now. I think since we heard about Eric Ten Hag doing training with his team, they just looked like a full squad transformed. They looked like they really uh, got some superpowers from doing those sprints with their coach. So uh, a lot yeah. to be seen, a lot to be taken away from this weekend's fixtures. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely excited to see, you know, Crystal Palace United at Crystal Palace. So um, Beer is doing a great job at Crystal Palace, in my opinion. You know, I think he's got getting some of those young boys in. Uh, I know you talked about Etze in previous podcasts. I've, I've liked him all since, you know, two years ago. He, he's a you know good facilitator. And, um, you know, Zaha is someone that I have on my team, you know, hoping, hopefully he can give me some return this week. But, um, but yeah, I mean, United should be excited. I think Crystal Palace fans should be excited. I expect a good match there. Yeah, I think that one's going to be tight, though. I wouldn't expect that to be the same level of goal fest spurs at Man City will be. <laughs> I agree. Um, absolutely. Let's just take a quick moment. I want to shout out an important reminder for newer FPL players that this is a big transitional week in the scope of the game because normally it's okay in the beginning of the season to make early transfer moves to catch price changes or price rises, jump off some a player that's price falling. But this week, patience is really key. And it's even more so than most game weeks because Champions League, Europa League, and the Europa Conference League all start this midweek. And so that means that players could get injured. You could have a player get rested, and then you want to target them as opposed to the player who's been in form going into this game week. So a lot remains to be seen. So if you can, if you are not on wildcard like Stein is, practice patience. Wait as long as humanly possible till the press conferences or at least to make sure that the player you are targeting escapes with full fitness, with full health coming out of these midweek European competitions. So uh, that's really important to note as we get into the deeper meat and potatoes of this season. One thing that I, I jumped out to was, was Erling Holland. I think it was two or three weeks ago where Pep said he's absolutely going to get rotated. And what, what does he do? He starts Erling in three straight matches back-to-back uh, hat-tricks and, and scores another goal. But, uh, you know, when, he, when someone's in the form of their life, watch out for those press conferences. You can't really take everything that, that's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, you should know better uh, being a Conte, uh, a Conte fan because he also never gives things away in the press conferences. The Premier League is filled with coaches that are looking to underhand and be fraudulent in what they say. Uh, anything to get even the smallest advantage. <laughs> 
Absolutely right. Absolutely right. All right. Let's dive into some community questions as a way to explore your wildcard team, as well as consider some players on our watch list. Why don't you take the yep. first question, Stein? Yeah. So first question is coming from, from Josh Moffitt, actually focusing on Marcus Rashford, who we talked about a little bit earlier, but you know, what do we make of Marcus Rashford? He's, he's playing out of position, um, gets Palace and leads next. Is he worth bringing in or is, is this just a, a knee-jerk reaction? So I think really what it comes down to is his price and his nailedness in this team, because right now he is playing out of position as the out and out striker. And because United are playing much more counterattacking, I think he's a great buy at this price. I don't think he would be top of my watch list at this point. I think I'd reserve that position for one of the Brighton midfielders. If I'm looking to say move off Rodrigo, I probably want to prioritize Brighton as opposed to Rashford, but I fully expect that this comment could bite me in the butt in a couple of game weeks when <laughs> Rashford, you know, he's in form right now. So uh, these mm -hmm. are the opportunities where you want to jump on the bandwagon and you can easily jump off Rashford in a couple of game weeks back to a player like Pascal Gross or back to Martinelli or even Rodrigo when he comes back and is fully fit. Um, but right now United are purring like a Ferrari. And so uh, it is a good time to be on United assets at this point in time. What's your take? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think, I think Rashford's a buy at this point for me. Um, like I said, for my, my wildcard team, my first one, he, he's in it. You know, I, I was really excited when I watched him Sunday. Um, I, I put him straight into the lineup, but you know, certainly I can, I can make changes throughout the week, but I, I do like what he's doing. I mean, he's, he's got the pace, he's got the skill set. It's all been just, just work rate. You know, when I'm watching is, is he working hard enough? You know, there's, there's competition right behind him. So he needs to stay in form in my opinion. And I think he's going to get those returns. It certainly could come back and, and bite me in the butt. Cause there is a little bit of depth on that United team now, but um, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing. I, I buy him. Yeah, and I think Rashford has to be the guy. You don't uh, dick around and get uh, Jaden Sancho or Erickson or Bruno Fernandez. If you're getting a Man United attacker, even Anthony, you know, you can't consider these guys. Get Rashford. He's cheaper, and right now he's playing closer mm -hmm. to goal. Exactly, yeah. That, that price point is very tempting. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. I agree. All right, let's go to the next question, and it's from uh, my late podcast co-host, Brian Chin. <laughs> He needs a Rodrigo replacement in a really bad way. And so he's asking us to rank the Brighton midfielders in order of preference. I'll hand this off to you, Stein. I, I have my yeah. biases, but uh, why don't you tell me who, who you prefer out of the Brighton midfield? In my personal standpoint, again, I'm, I'm a big eye test guy, and I probably watched too much Brighton this year. But um, you know, for me, I, I like Trossard the most personally, then Gross, then McAllister. I think from an FPL perspective, McAllister because he has those set pieces and pens, then probably Gross and Trossard. So I kind of flip flop that on myself. You know, again, I personally, I I, just, I like Trossard. What he's able to do in the wide positions. Um, I have PTSD from him because he single handedly beats first last year though in a I one nothing that. defeat. And you know, he he's very um very flexible. He can play in multiple positions. You know, I I think he's pretty nailed on for Graham Potter. But you know, Gross had a very hot start and he's playing at what seemed to be a little bit more of a false nine role. Uh, but then McAllister's on the set piece. I, you know, it, it, it's really hard, but I, I think from an FPL perspective specifically, I'd, I'd probably go McAllister or Gross. That's so interesting. I'm I'm actually, I'm going to go on the Lis Lisandro Trossard uh, 
on the train. I'm getting on a little late, but he's 4% owned 6.5 million. He's the most expensive of the Mm -hmm. midfield options for Brighton. And it's worth mentioning, he is playing left wing back. So uh, from a starting positional perspective, he's actually the furthest away from goal out of all their options. However, so far this season, he has the most shots, the most shots in the box of all the Brighton midfielders. So he's really getting forward and cutting in, getting attacking options. And I just rate him. I think he's the most proven of the bunch. The question is with Gross is whether he can keep it up because he's the top scoring Brighton midfielder. He's now 6 million in price and 27% owned, but his advanced stats are nowhere close to the where he's delivering at. And he's already eclipsed his previous season's goal involvement through six game weeks. So it's really, if you believe that he's a player transformed or is this kind of, is is this just a hot start that's about to peter off? So uh, for me, I would go Trossard, Gross, McAllister. I don't think McAllister is a buy. He's, he's someone I would wait and see on because again, it's going to be boom or bust. If Brighton are not drawing penalty kicks, I don't see McAllister getting many more uh, returns, but you know, we could have said that last season and Jorginho ended up with eight penalty kick goals. Uh, so uh, at 5.5 million, if McAllister gets even five goals this season, he's already on three. Uh, that would be tremendous. I said earlier, you know, Brighton, their XG is up. They look a lot better. They look more, more dangerous this year. Interesting take. No, I like it, though. This is actually a good transition to our next question from Corey Cummings, because he wants to know what to do with Chelsea defense. And this should be my sweet spot, but it's a little too painful for me to get into Stein. So I'm going to throw it to you. What should we do with Chelsea defense? And is Cucurella still first choice in your opinion, or should he be a priority transfer out? That Chelsea defense, I mean, certainly not what I I don't think many of us expected this year. I I don't know. Tuchel doesn't really have it under control, in my opinion, yet. I I do think at some point they will get it together. I do expect clean sheets down the road, but you know I think he's got to do a little bit of shuffling. You know, <laughs> have a heart to heart with some of his defenders. But I did have Kukurea in my team um, since I hit the wild card button. I actually I already took him out. Um, you know, I, I I need more attacking returns, especially if you're playing in a wing back position. You know, seeing Ben Chilwell getting subbed on uh, last week. I mean, he looked phenomenal. He's probably probably the best striker right now on that Chelsea squad. But um, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate, but true. Um, but I, I, I think right now when I'm looking at the Chelsea defense, um, I think Reese James, in my opinion, is the only buy. Um, un- unless you expect Chelsea to get clean sheets, then Fofana becomes interesting because it's only four point four million. But at, at this point, Reese James is it, as long as he stays in that wing back role, I feel confident keeping him in my team. Or, or actually, I'm putting him in my team. I, I, I'm wild carding to try to get him, and he's my most premium defender at this point. Uh, I love it. Yeah. And the advanced stats really love Reese James and he offers so much value when he plays wing back. He was the second highest uh, advanced stats attacking defender uh, so far this season. And he was playing a lot of minutes as a center back. So the fact that he's Mm -hmm. now going to be freed up to play right wing back in front of Fofana, that should offer a lot of potential for FPL returns. The Chelsea defensive double up is dead and dusted. It is time to move (laughs) off that. Cucurella has looked really shaky the last 180 minutes of footy. He didn't look good in their last match, and he definitely didn't look good against Southampton. So he's probably a priority sell because I think Chilwell will be the starter come game week seven. And I think Brighton defense actually offer a great option to bring in for less money mm-hmm. than Cucurella. So um, we'll talk about that later when we talk about our transfer moves and captaincy. 
PV asks, what are we doing with Ederson and goal? Um, is it worth it to move off the premium keeper and go cheaper? Yeah, great question, PV. You are my nemesis, but I'm glad you're engaging with the podcast <laughs> this season. Um, I don't want to give you good advice, but this is the best I got right now. Um, so right now, the top of the goalkeeper standings is Nick Pope. And at 5.1 million, I think he offers insane value. He's not only continuing his skill from when he was at Burnley as a proven shot stopper, so he's making a lot of saves, but Newcastle just looked like a really solid and stable defensive unit. So he's getting clean sheets. And so when he gets clean sheets, he's also getting save points, which means he's also getting bonus points. So that's why he's top of the table. 5.1 million seems like great savings uh, to jump off Ederson, even Allison or Larice um, to jump on the Nick Pope uh, hype train. Otherwise, you know, go all the way down to those formerly 4.5 million keepers. Robert Sanchez, he's now 4.7 million, as is Dean Henderson, 4.7 million. Very different stories, I think, for both of those keepers. I would much rather have Sanchez because of the clean sheet upside, but Dean Henderson, penalty kick specialist, and he is a save machine. <laughs> uh, I bet United would love to have him still in the building. So I think if you're looking to make a goalkeeper transfer, Nick Pope or Sanchez are kind of the short list. And basically, if you have Ramsdale, Mendy, Ederson, or Allison, I would I would seriously consider making a swap if you have an extra free transfer. My strategy with goalkeepers, I, I've really been one to stay away from the from the big six or premium goalkeepers. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. But um, you know, in my opinion, especially this week, you know, I, I don't expect Ederson to keep, keep a clean sheet. That's that's what I want for my goalies. Um, just just clean sheets. You know, hopefully they're not taking you know too much assault on shots. But I know you know goalies like Nick Pope and Dean Henderson. I mean, they seem like just great shot stoppers. But I, I do like Nick Pope a lot. You know, that's a great shout out. One that I have on my watch list right now. I have Raya from Brentford. Um, you know, I'd oh, love that's to try a good to call also. Yeah, I, I, and he's at four and a half million, but I'd love to try to you know trade up for for Nick Pope. I just gotta you know wiggle out some funds. But um, you know, one thing to talk about: Dean Henderson has had a great season so far. Great shot stopper, penalty save stopper. Just with Nottingham Forest, I mean, they they have the highest expected goals allowed so far this year. You know, if you expect Dean Henderson to continue stopping them, then ride him. Uh, but certainly probably one that I would stay away from because I expect Nottingham to, you know, if they continue playing that more attacking style of football, they're, they're going to get beat pretty, pretty badly. They're going to look like Bournemouth when they played uh, Liverpool at some point. Yeah, they they do not look defensively stable. And, and that's a big worry for Nico Williams owners. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. when you go all the way to the budget enablers, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're getting points or not, if they're riding your bench. But in this chaos-filled season with the World Cup coming, you really need to be able to rely on your players to potentially slot in for a surprise start every now and again. And I just think that having Dean Henderson as your number one keeper for FPL points, that would be a worrying uh, reality to go into each and every game week feeling like, yeah, they're just going to concede two or three goals with, you know, before the game even kicks off. Absolutely. I would be sweating a lot from that. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's transition Stein. You're going to take the wheel now. I know you're sweating. I know this is a new experience <laughs> for you, but uh, we're going to put you on the spotlight a little bit, and we want to dive into your wildcard draft. So you've teased some of the players that are making the cut right now. Why don't you just mm -hmm. tell us your starting keeper and defense, 
and then work forward. We can skip the bench, but uh, give the listeners a little preview of how you're lining up and who's going to make your starting 11 on wildcard. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what's really hurt me a lot this year, um, you know, going all the way back to week one before even Premier League started, I, I really had the, the mindset big at the back, you know, trying to get clean sheets from these, these top six clubs I had, you know, TAA, Robbo, um, I Kinsella was in my team and, you know, they, they just haven't been consistent enough with the clean sheets and, and the attacking returns haven't been there. Um, so I'm really changing, you know, pretty much the, the squad up. I, you know, my, my biggest premium defender, as I alluded to earlier, is, is Reese James, you know, as long as he stays in that wing back position, you know, I feel like he's pretty pegged on to my team, but I did bring in one of your players, Bucks, uh, Kieran Trippier. Um, yeah. The, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> former Spurs player um, did really well at Atletico. I think they won La Liga with him when, when he was there, but you know, back in the prem, good great to job. see him back. Um, great. Um, you know, just a great right foot. I mean, he puts in great crosses, um, taking free kicks, taking corners. Um, so I'm, I'm putting him in there just, just for some attacking return. Um, and actually, let me go backwards a little bit. So I, I have Raya as my, my goalkeeper, the Brentford one. Um, you know, he's been okay, but, you know, hasn't really given me, I don't think he's given me a clean sheet since I brought him in. Uh, I had the mistake of putting in the Leicester goalkeeper ward, uh, since week one, I think it started in the first three weeks of the year. Um, horrible gosh. I mean, Leicester, I think Leicester in huge trouble. So, um, but he's still on my bench just for his price point. But, uh, as, as of right now, I'm keeping Raya, but, uh, you talked about Pope earlier. He's one that I think that I, that I want to get. Um, and then my, my other starting defender right now is a Stupion from, from Born or not from Born, from Brighton. Um, but they're playing Bournemouth this weekend. So that was a big reason why I wanted to bring him in. I, I think Brighton's not going to have a huge issue trying to keep a clean sheet, but you know, he didn't start last weekend, which is worrying for me. So, um, don't know if he'll stay, but he's at four and a half, four and a half mil, um, looks really nice. Um, uh, moving into price my mid- point, great price point Stein for a wing back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue is minutes, I think, and uh, he's going to make exactly. you feel estupido a couple games <laughs> when he starts on the bench. Uh, definitely a more popular option, I think, uh, long term would be Dunk or Veltman. But uh, really, you can't go wrong in this Brighton defense. If they're starting, they're looking really mm-hmm. solid. And uh, you definitely want a player that's starting against this Bournemouth team for the clean sheets. And uh, Estupion offers the potential upside of a double digit haul. If he can grab an assist or a goal uh, in this relatively cupcake fixture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, my, my thing with, with my defense, I have no center backs, you know, no center halves in my team. So I'm looking for, I love it. it That's my strategy too. Hopefully trying to get a little bit of an attacking return. So my, my other defender on my bench, I know we're going to talk about it, but I, I brought in Malasia because of his price at, at 4.4 mil, um, you know, left back for Man United. So I find himself in my starting squad. Uh, but yeah, no, no center halves in my defense. Quick question, Stein. I know you have Malasia and Estupion. Have you, do you have funds to pick some of the other options at those clubs? Like, could you, could you fit in Delow or Dunk or, or that stretches your budget too much? I could, I could go for Delow. Um, I, I didn't look at Dunk too much because I, I told myself I was going to stay away from center halves, but I, is Dunk Fair. at five? Dunk's at 4.6, I believe. He, he might oh, stretch so I, it. I would have funds. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think if it was up to me, I think Delow would be my choice over uh, Malasia, just from the attacking perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Malasia, much better defender. He's much more in the Aaron Wan-Bissaka mold, whereas Delow mm-hmm. is more of like Shaw. He's getting forward. He crosses the ball in. So it's just uh, from an FPL perspective, I think Delow is the more exciting player. 
yeah, no, good, good shout as well. Um, certainly, I looked at Delo back in I think it was I think it was before the season started. I had Delo in my my radar because um, I knew he he gets forward. Um, but like like I said, you I told you before, you know, the eye test to me, Delo doesn't pass my eye test as a fullback because that guy has a defensive liability. Yeah, oh, he's he's not a good defender, <laughs> but uh, neither is Trent, and he can still get some FPL <laughs> returns. Let's of let's course. move uh, more to the attackers, uh, more exciting mm-hmm. uh, players. Who's in your midfield, who's earning one of those coveted spots? Well, this week I, I'm going the the no Salah. I know you alluded to it earlier. Are you going Mo or no? Holy uh, cannoli! I, oh my goodness! Ugh, I'm panicking I, over here for am, you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm taking out Mo Salah. I mean, his, his year last year was was one for the record books, and I I think I just you know I, I kept capping him every week, and I'm I'm just you know I'm in that rut where I'm I want to keep playing him, but he's not producing. I know his his underlying stats look good and. You know, Liverpool certainly maybe been unlucky. They just don't look as good as last year. Um, I, I moved down from Mo Salah to, to KDB. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that move. I, I think KDB will be there to stay for a while, you know, barring any injury. But I, I like what I see from him. You know, I expect an assist or two assists a game going to Holland every week. So um, I, I brought in KDB for, for Mo Salah. I love that move, but I am concerned for you and your mental health Stein as a Spurs fan because his first game coming out of your wild card is going to be against your beloved Spurs. Yeah, that that's going to be a lot to be uh, watching that game. No Salah on KDB, and he has to return against your team. That is a uh, that is all messy. That's the messy middle right there. That's what FPL is all about. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, I'm hoping for you know a good game. I'm hoping for a lot of goals from both sides. So, um, you know, hopefully, it it is tough emotionally. I, I don't want to do it, but I you know I I like KDB. He clearly passes the eye test. Big yeah, KDB I, fan. So, <laughs> I rate that. And you know, we should shout out some of the other managers that are doing great in our mini league, uh, the FPL Blues Podcast League, are really riding KDB over Mo uh, to great success. So, uh, I think that could be a great bet. And it's slightly differential. So uh, I think that could really pay off. For yeah. time. Keep it moving. I who hope, else, so. Who yeah, else I hope so. I need to move up. So um, <laughs> ne- next two midfielders are actually ones that I'm, I'm keeping. So I, I'm keeping Gabriel Martinelli from, from Arsenal. Uh, and I'm also keeping Wilfred Zaha from Crystal Palace. Uh, I, nice. I like what I see from both of them. You know, they do well in wide spots. Honestly, they both of them can create a goal from nothing. Um, you know, they both have the pace. They have the skill set. You know, Martinelli, I think, has been one of the better value plays so far this year, in my opinion. Um, I believe he's risen up to, is it 6.4 bucks? Yes, 6.4, 6.5, depending on uh, when you listen to this podcast. But he's been great (laughs) bang for the buck. And uh, I think he's he's one of those players that if you've got him since the start of the season, no point to sell now because he looks like he's Mm -hmm. nailed in the side and he's going to continue to rise. Uh, in price. So yep. uh, that's a great asset to have in your team for the long term. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely going to keep him. And then, you know, Zaha, again, he's probably has all the talent in the world, but plays for Crystal Palace. But, you know, I, I like what I've seen so far this year. You know, he had that great performance against Liverpool. He's done really well. He can, again, turn a goal out of nothing. So I'm hoping that, that he can provide return. And, you know, I think Crystal Palace is, is a good, good team. They have a home match against a tough opponent this week, but, um, you know, I, I'm putting my faith in, I think I'm going to put my faith in Zaha. So 
for one thing about this match for Zaha against Man United, this is a revenge match for him. He came out of the Man United system and he always tends to play really well and motivated, sometimes a little too emotional in this match, but uh, he's playing out of position as kind of the false nine uh, in the last couple of game weeks. So he looks like a great bet to be the one to bag a return uh, if Crystal Palace are going to make a game out of this. I like yeah, that call a lot. Yeah, no, great point. Great point. Great point. And he, you know, he has great stats. Expected goals are up and, you know, his returns are up. Last midfielder that I'm I'm putting in the starting lineup this week is, we talked about him a couple times already, Marcus Rashford. Um, you know, as of right now, he, he's in the squad. Certainly one that's probably, I'll probably flip a couple times this week, but, you know, right now I feel most confident in him. I, I like what I saw from Rashford this, you know, against Arsenal. You know, he's playing that striker role. His price point's great, 6.4 million. You know, I, I think you got to be excited, re-excited again about Rashford, especially if you're a United fan, what he's showing, you know, his efforts there. It, it looks to be paying dividends under Ten Hag's system. I will shut out, you know, the Brighton midfielders are probably the other ones that I'm looking at rotating with, um, you know, either either Trossard, Gross or or McAllister. But as of right now, I, I think Rashford is going to stay. So I hope I, I see a couple goals in the United Crystal Palace game. Yeah. And you know what? Rashford, the fact that he's a Man United fan, I think makes this a great get on wildcard because you want to hold him for a couple of game weeks now. And because Mm -hmm. Man United are such a widespread and impactful fan base, there are a lot of supporters that are going to be jumping back on the bandwagon. And with 10 million FPL players, got to assume a large chunk of them are Man United fans. So I think this Mm -hmm. is a great buy-in early, and he's only going to price rise if he continues to perform. So uh, it's kind of a low-risk, high-reward punty pick at his price point and his ownership level. So I I don't think you can go wrong, but let's go to the attack. And that's really where a lot of your budget is is landing. You're going 3-4-3. So who are your your strikers right now on wildcard? I, I have to bring in Erling Holland. I mean, he's going to be owned by everyone soon. You know, if you don't have him, I, I think he's a must-have at this point. You know, the form that he shows, I mean, his size, his speed, can score in one touch. You know, the service that he's getting, um, and probably the most likely captain pick each week, um, Erling Holland. So I brought him in. I took Gabriel Jesus out. Um, so that was, that was how, you know, I got the funds to, That's to, a good to swap I up like Jesus. That. Yeah. So I got the funds to swap up to Holland. I'm keeping Harry Kane, you know, Spurs fan, but I am keeping Harry Kane in my team. Um, he's still at 11.4 million, I believe. I don't think he's gotten a price rise, but you know, he's been consistent so far this year. He seems to get a goal or assist each week. Um, you know, hasn't had a you know a top end return like Erling Holland, no hat trick so far yet. He's been consistent. He's the playmaker for Spurs, the number ten role. I'm a big, obviously, a big fan of him. So he, he's definitely going to stay. And then as of right now, Ivan Tony staying in, coming off that hat trick. Um, you know, probably worth a shout out if, if you pay attention to social media. Ivan Tony trolling FPL managers that right after their game that, you know, how about that performance? And for all the FPL managers that, that swapped me out, how do you like me now? You know, I, I had a good chuckle at that one. Obviously, I had a good chuckle because I still kept them. So um, I think he's going to stay in the squad against Southampton, who, you know, seemed to be a little bit up and down throughout this year. You do not want to cross Ivan Tony and Stein. Uh, that is a great call out because if you would have sold him, you would have been crying, uh, not not laughing about that. Uh, it's really great when you see premium players in this level hear the haters and bet on themselves and back themselves. And I, I just like that's like a swaggy play from Ivan Tony. And I like the fact that there are 
players in the Premier League that play FPL and are aware of what's going on in the game. And and Ivan Tony, nothing gets past this guy. He he came into this match angry and he was ready to silence the haters in a big way. Absolutely. Absolutely. For for your front line, I just want to ask this because you're going no Salah. So it is important to understand. Mm-hmm. So you're right now you have the captaincy armband on Holland. And you're keeping Kane in, really instead, I would say, of that Salah spot. So would you ever mm-hmm. be tempted to captain Kane uh, since you haven't yet this season? Uh, or is this really you're going to just find a way to get KDB, Holland, and Kane somewhere on the armband every single game week? Is that your thought? I, I think the thought is, yeah, probably those three are going to be my captain choices. I, I have, I've thought about Captain Kane every week and, you know, kind of hindsight, I probably should have keeping it on Salah, but um, I, I think those three, you know, they, they, they look pretty, I mean, Harry Kane is, is going to play probably almost well, the last game he did, but he's probably going to play 90 minutes, almost every game, um, you know, versus the pep roulette is very hard to predict. Um so I, I think that's that's a big reason why I want to keep Kane in because I I know he's going to be playing I know he's going to give me effort sure um, and uh, you know Holland De Bruyne it's it's really and you know I, I think that's going to be the hardest part for me you know being kind of at the bottom bottom quartile of of the league is getting my captain pick right um, you know I can't just leave it on Holland every single week because I'm not going to be getting that differential so trying to figure out is it is it Holland's week do I go KDB is it time for Kane. Um, you know, even, even some of my other point, you know, do I, do I figure if Tony's in a good matchup, you know, is he due for another hat trick or something? Yeah. Or, so. or even Reese James could be a, uh, real differential yeah. uh, upside chasing captain. Uh, one last question I have before we, we keep it moving Stein, you have no mm-hmm. Liverpool players in this side. Um, mm-hmm. any, any thought on how you might get them back in? Is that a concern of yours or are you kind of, you mentioned you're an eye test guy. Are you just you're totally not buying what they're picking, what they're putting down so far this season. Certainly, I'm I'm very worried that I I have no Liverpool players right now. You know, I I think what I'm going to figure out this week can I shuffle around to, you know, one can I shuffle up to get uh, you know Raya to Nick Pope. Um, you know, I'd love to get Trent Alexander Arnold back in the team. You know, even even if they don't get clean sheets, you know, he's always his his attacking just potential is is always there. The balls that he puts in, you know, he is like Trippier. Just Trippier's have to be a lot cheaper than him. Um, but I, you know, I, I think Trent would probably be the first one that, that I, I need to get back in. Um, I think I could, I could go with, without Mo Salah for at least a couple weeks. Um, you know, I think Luis Diaz is the way he's looked so far this year, uh, is, is a lot more tempting, especially for his price point. Um, you know, I, I really like to hold on to KDB for a long time, but, um, I, I think Liverpool will look a lot better. The, the biggest things they're missing in my opinion, they have a lot of injury issues. You know, I think they're missing, um, Diogo Jota, who's probably due to come back in, you know, very soon. And uh and Thiago. I, I think that midfield is a little bit, a little bit shaky without him just controlling that midfield. Certainly trying to get Liverpool players back in over the next couple of weeks is 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 probably gonna be a priority for me. And with Champions League coming, I mean, if if KDB or Holland get full 90 minutes, are they are they potentially on the chopping block or or you're you're setting setting go with them no matter what? As of right now, I, I think KDB would be the one that might be on the chopping block if he, you know, sees a lot of rotation. I think Holland is. You have to have Holland if he plays. You have to have him. I, yeah, I, I agree. Him. Essential. I'm, I'm, you know, he he is essential. I think you got to stick with him, even if he comes off the bench. He has that potential to, to score a brace in ten minutes or twenty minutes. 
I, I agree in that, you know, it's a long season, so don't get down just yet. Um, with that, let's transition to my uh, transfer plans and captaincy uh, going into game week seven. I have one free transfer, 0.2 million in the bank, and I'm hoping right now to roll the transfer. That is contingent on seeing uh, what Chelsea do and how they line up in defense in Champions League. I might have to bring in a Brighton defender for Cucurella if it seems that he is going to be relegated to the bench because I have been playing big at the back and that is I'm locked into that strategy right now with the way my team is set up. So if that comes about, I will move Cucurella likely to Joel Veltman. Cucurella right now, 5.2 million. I got in early on him, so I would sell him for 5.1. Veltman is 4.6 million. That would free up an extra 0.5 million for me. And it would also take some of the uh, mental and uh, emotional angst out of watching Chelsea matches because when they concede and they are conceding pretty regularly in these games, it is both a <laughs> kick to the gut for a fan perspective, but also for FPL. And that's just too much to take. It, it can ruin uh, some of my weekends watching the Premier League uh, based on how bad and shaky Chelsea have been. And for me, captain, like you, Stein, I'm following your lead. Captain goes to Erling Holland. If he stays healthy in this Champions League match, I can't see a, a game week where I won't be captaining him. So uh, I think that is yeah. the main reason why you'd want to sell off Mo Salah, because if we are perma captaining Erling Holland, that 1 million of extra funds can be spread throughout the rest of your team in a real meaningful way. So uh, that is a real reason and thing to consider as you approach wildcard like Stein, or if you're shaping up for a wildcard in the next couple of game weeks. I'm just curious. I mean, for to to keep Kukurea, so you, I assume you have something kind of bigger in line if you want to want to keep that transfer and roll it into the next week. Yeah, I mean, my big thing is I'm I'm playing with Archer right now, and I just I I also have Ramsdale in a dream move. If I had two free transfers, I would move off Ramsdale and bring in either uh, the Brighton keeper in Sanchez and be able to find a way to level up to get a third attacker. Um, the reality is Mitrovic is really breaking the mold right now in a big way. Um, the template was really set with Holland or Kane and Jesus as kind of the two frontline strikers, but the emergence of Tony, of uh, the arrival of Isak and this Mitrovic guy, he's in the form of his life. He has almost 60 goals in the last season of footy. So between international and club competition Mitrovic is as hot as they come and he seems to be fixture proof yep. and especially you know Chelsea are traveling to Fulham for an away match when Fulham play in front of Craven Cottage they are a much different team that's like uh, going into the dragon pit uh, if you're a Game of Thrones fan because Fulham when they're <laughs> in the pit they are they are beasts but when they're out in the air you know you can get them you can get at them with some arrows and stuff like that uh, that's a little nerd dumb for you. Uh, just sprinkled into the end of the podcast. Oh, that was great. And what what shout out for Mitrovic? Certainly worth worth mentioning him. I I don't remember exactly what his price point is. I think it was six yeah, point six, seven, six, six right point eight now, million. But he, six six. But yeah. I, I think he's on the rise. He I would expect that by the time game week eight and the international break ro roll around, much closer to seven than to six point five million, uh, based on the way yeah. he's performing and the way. Fulham are humming even in a challenging part of their season. Yeah. All right, Stein, we love you, baby. I really appreciate you making time. Uh, great to get on the pod with you tonight. 
great to hear that you and Brian had a great time watching the matches on Sunday. Stay cool, man. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the FPL Blues podcast. We expect Brian to be back, but he also could be on vacation next game week. So (laughs) if you're interested, let me know. Reach out to us on social media at FPL Blues Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest host like Stein was, we'd love to have you. We'd love the engagement and good luck to everyone in game week seven. Let's hope for green arrows for Stein coming out of his wild card. He needs it more than most. And let's hope that all of you also have some hauls in game week seven. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Stein. 